0: One of the most prevalent, still surviving bloodlines of the Gangrel are the so-called City Gangrel. They are predominantly Sabbat, and they differ very little from the main bloodline, except that they have traded their ability to communicate with animals for the discipline of obfuscate, and that they are prone to using celerity rather than fortitude in battle. There is a story to their difference, although whether it is true remains unknown to this day. A Gangrel sailor, let us call him Olaf, is said to have sailed the ship of mortals and his child across the ocean to the New World in the 12th century. There, although most of the men that traveled with him either chose to settle down or journey back to the east, both Olaf and his child, Karl decided to further travel these lands. Olaf had long ago learned the discipline of obfuscate from the Nosferatu, and he taught it to his child. While Olaf was eventually driven into torpor after repeated conflicts with the local lupines, Karl continued to travel, quietly hunting men for his sustenance and occasionally embracing, often prioritizing obfuscate over animalism. At least, this is one story of their origin. Some claim that they err from the Greek Gangrel, a much older bloodline, but that line did not exhibit celerity, another discipline that differed the city Gangrel from the main bloodline. What is known is that there was no city Gangrel bloodline until the late 19th century, when they were officially recognized by the Sabbat. And where did this recognition happen? In New York City. Make of that what you will. While the majority of the Gangrel choose to join the Camarilla, there were some notable members who went with the Sabbat, among them Jalan Ajab, whom I have spoken of before. It is not known if he was one of the Anda, although his Mongol heritage would certainly suggest that. Other theories hold that he may be the same person as the Camarilla warlord Karsh, another ancient gangrel who is said to match the Seraphim in skill and ferocity. Clan Gangrel, even before the convention, had a long history of abandoning their humanity for another set of morality, quite often the Road of the Beast, which today has mutated into the Path of the Feral Heart. Even after joining with the Camarilla, many of the Elders choose to remain on this path, ultimately leading to them leaving the Ivory Tower, who would much rather its members adhere to the sect-wide path of humanity, either joining the Anarch Movement or proclaiming themselves Autarkis. In the time that followed the convention, as humanity grew, learned and waged war, the Gangrel were there, especially during the latter events. Perhaps it was their heritage as Marauders that brought them to the battlefields, But whenever there was war, so too did the Gangrel flock together, fighting on either side. These were good opportunities to feed, to let off some steam, and to sire new childer. Many Gangrel of today began their own lives as soldiers who never returned home from the battlefield, and this may have further strengthened the idea that Gangrel are prone to violence. Aside from the conflicts, it was also a time of exploration, and while humanity handled most of that well on its own, it was not uncommon for the occasional outsider who knew the area to aid whatever explorers came by looking to fill out blank spots on the map. Sure, these guides could easily rid themselves of these brave souls if they felt threatened by the encroaching civilization, and some might have, but most gangrel found the company of kindred souls amongst humans refreshing, and often took the opportunity to socialize, feed, or, well, you guessed it, sire. As the American West was settled, so too were the native tribes given less and less territory, old promises ignored as they were corralled into reservations and left to fend for themselves in inhospitable, infertile lands. The Gangrel who had been native in their lives, or had come to live close to them, often followed along, some even fighting the relocation until it turned out too costly or dangerous for the people being relocated. Some Gangrel still remain in these reservations, taking their herd from the locals. With the coming of the Industrial Revolution, even the smaller cities of the U.S. exploded in population, suddenly allowing for much larger amounts of kindred. This, coupled with the sudden wealth produced by many small, previously rural cities, was extremely attractive to many kindred, and the Gangrel who, until then, had claimed these territories suddenly found themselves muscled out by the other Camarilla or Sabbat clans. How they chose to deal with this varied, many trying their hands at being prince themselves, to varying degrees of success, while others sucked it up, allowing another to take over in exchange for boons and a seat at the Primogen Council. Many just simply up and left, deciding it wasn't worth the hassle. Thankfully for the Gangrel and the Lupines, the US government did declare some territories as national parks, prohibiting settlements in these regions and exploiting of their resources. This, coupled with the movement of outdoor living beginning in the early 20th century, allowed many Gangrel to feed from hikers and campers, while still remaining in the wilderness. Unfortunately, these kind of territories likewise attracted the werewolves, who often didn't take kindly to vampires feeding on their lands. Sometimes, however, some manner of settlement could be made between the two, most often the Gangrel promising that no other vampires would come into their territory. Cities, while historically never the territory of the Gangrel, came to change so fundamentally in nature during the 20th century that even older Gangrel would find them worthy places to hunt in. Long, winding tunnels underground, tall skyscrapers from which to roost and watch for prey, and countless hiding places to explore and feed at. Although the traditional Gangrel is called Counter-Gangrel in the Sabbat, even their type, especially the younger ones, find that their wild spirit can be quelled even in a metropolis. In the 20th century, cars and planes began to replace the Gangrel. Trains had already beaten the outsiders in terms of speed, but not versatility. If a message needed to be discreetly delivered, a Gangrel could do it much easier than a courier on a train, but when every home had a car, it suddenly was no issue hiding out in the open. And although it took a while for commercial airlines to become a viable means of travel, the Gangrel's ability to fly in the form of a bat or a bird suddenly was no longer quite as impressive as soon as the Wright brothers did their first successful flight. Gangrel generally kept out of the politics of the two great wars, with a few exceptions, and then most often it would be a single Gangrel or two who would align themselves with a mortal institution dear to them in life. However, one group of kindred making their political presence known in the 1900s were the Valkyries. These Gangrel were a long-time supporters of Odin, the All-High, an ancient Gangrel Methuselah who had ruled over the Scandinavian Gangrel for a long time before he had fallen into torpor after fighting the ghetto Fenris Lupines. Odin's grandchild, Brunhilde, awoke from her own torpor due to the bloodshed of the First World War, and she has since reformed the Valkyrie, committing acts of terrorism to subvert both the Camarilla and Sabbat influence. She has also sent emissaries to the Anarch Free States to recruit more warriors for her cause, and it is said that she is protecting Odin's torpored body even now, waiting for his rise and the beginning of Ragnarök, the end times. The Second World War was no glorious time, especially not for Kindred. Plenty of Gangrel, like most other vampires, found opportunity in it, whether it be to find a new child, feed unhindered in the chaos, or make off with riches that disappeared. And since quite a number of gangrel had roma as their chosen herd to feed from, one would assume that they would stick out their necks to protect them. But there is painfully little evidence that this was ever done. With roughly 60 million dead in the war and its after-effects, Europe found itself hosting far too many kindred to sustain without risking the masquerade, and a new wave of younger vampires were sent to the Americas, which had remained relatively untouched by the war. The Gangrel remained with the Camarilla until 1999, after which events involving an ancient artifact reputedly being a part of an antediluvian caused them to split from the sect. After Xavier, the Gangrel Justicar failed in killing the creature wielding it, resulting in the death of a significant number of his clan, Xavier appeared before the Inner Circle, demanding that they help him get revenge on this creature. The council ignored his demands and repeated that antediluvians are merely myth and legend. Enraged, Xavier left the meeting, and officially withdrew his clan from the Camarilla. Not too long after that, Xavier was killed under mysterious circumstances, and while a few Gangrel still remain with the sect, most have quietly left it, many feeling guilt for not supporting their former Justicar until after his final death. The Gangrel who have chosen to remain now have no higher representation for their clan, and aside from the occasional prince or primogen, they are now a minor faction within the Ivory Tower. The Gangrel are a clan with a plethora of bloodlines. Some believe this may be due to the inherent mutability of their blood. As one of the few clans who can change their shape, they are said to be much more prone to mutations of the blood, resulting in new traits cropping up. This becomes even more obvious when one considers the Gangrel curse. They are prone to manifesting physical and sometimes psychological traits of animals when they succumb to the beast. These traits tend to disappear after a while, but it is not unusual for some to remain after a particularly forceful frenzy. And when a gangrel is embraced, they are often left to fend for themselves, discovering their new nature and trying to survive the first vulnerable months. Once the child has proven themselves sufficiently crafty and hardy to make it, the sire will rejoin the child and more properly tutor the fledgling in what it means to be a gangrel. This often has a high rate of failure, but then it's a tradition that has been held sacred amongst the Gangrel for untold time, and any sire who calls their child is often considered foolish and overprotective. Befitting a clad not known to hold on to material things, whenever Gangrel meet and they do not know each other, it is tradition that the two either fight until one of them is incapacitated or surrenders, or that they each take turn telling stories of their deeds until one side either backs down or asks for proof. If no proof is presented, that gangrel loses the confrontation, but also runs a risk of being called a liar. Gangrel generally meet in larger things, or even all things, where as many outsiders as possible attend. These meetings can last for a long time, as a leader of the thing needs to be decided upon, and it is done in much the same way as I just described. Once the hierarchy has been decided, the business at hand can be dealt with. Naturally, not all gangrel decide to fight for the right to lead the all thing, but a significant amount always does. Enoia's brood have waxed and waned in power during these years, but despite the recent losses the Gangle have suffered, they have remained true to their roots and of their values. Few clans can match their resilience, their knowledge of the lands, and their ability to track and find whatever they are searching for. Indeed, one of the Kindred Society's greatest scholars and researchers is one of their kind, but he is for another episode. Our work has pleased the antediluvian snow who has risen to oversee it. Long may he reign, this dark god. The Methuselah Aubrey Ayers, whose wisdom transcends the boundaries of our understanding, is likewise worthy of our devotion. We are truly blessed to serve such an illustrious master. The council would also especially like to thank these permitted for their contribution to its work. Maximilian S. Hardcastle, 06, and Stonewolf 18. Your wisdom, experience, and good judgment shall be the torchlight by which we conduct our affairs. Our elders Edward Reed, Dante the Canine, What's That Smells his Blood, and Remy Van Roy shall receive our gratitude for their support and wise counsel. And we would also wish to send our thanks to the Ancile, Colin Gifford, Harry Wyckoff, and Envihon for their support. Likewise, our stalwart neonates shall, as always, receive our appreciation for their services. And thank you for watching. Now be careful out there, for Gehenna may soon be upon us.